Anna Bananas is a longtime supporter of WASU-FM, App State's college radio station. Anna Bananas Fine Consignment Store buys, sells, trades, and serves Boone from 641 West King Street. You can follow Anna Bananas on Instagram and Facebook. Appalachian State University's Schaefer Center Presents series features country soul Americana singer Yola, Irish fiddlers Natalie McMaster and Donnell Leahy, R&B gospel singer Mavis Staples, and banjoist Bela Fleck with Zakir Hussein, Edgar Meyer, and Rakesh Chareza. Information at 800-841-ARTS or theschafercenter.org. Appalachian State University's The Schaefer Center Presents Series welcomes six-time Grammy Award nominee Yola on her Stand For Myself tour. The British singer-songwriter weaves together elements of country, pop, soul, Americana, and gospel. This is a one-night-only event. Yola, Friday, September 16th at 7 p.m. Call 800-841-ARTS or visit theschafercenter.org. WASU and this week's Tuesday edition of Sports Wrap. So we're bringing it back to you here in the studio and we're ready to open our first segment of the show as App State. It's a very interesting game against UO Monroe this past weekend as they took that trip down to Monroe, Louisiana to take on the Warhawks and open up conference play. In a game we thought would be a little bit easier of a win, State struggled to push past ULM allowing 40 points and winning the game on a buzzer-beater field goal from Michael Hughes, 54 yards out. It was an exciting moment for him, but overall, mixed reactions to how we feel about this game. So I want to open up the discussion as a lot of the things that we talked about and talked high praise of the past week was the App State defense. And it seemed as if this weekend... They took a little bit of a step back. All 40 of ULM's points came in the first three quarters, with 28 of them being in the first half as the game was tied 28-28 heading into halftime. Where did the defense falter this week in their execution against the Warhawks? Lucas, I'll start with you. I mean, obviously you can look at the secondary. Secondary has been lights out all year, but against ULM they were not lights out. Uh, they gave up 268 yards, four touchdowns. They did get a pick six. Tyreek Funderburk got his second pick six in two straight games, second of the season. Uh, but yeah, they were vulnerable. Uh, a lot of a lot of dig routes over the middle. A lot of just yards after the catch, but they were allowing Jaya Wright to kind of just dice them up. They gave him a lot of easy completions early and I think that kind of set the tone for the rest of the game where Wright just got really comfortable against this defense and he was getting it done on the ground and through the air Uh, so secondary didn't play up to par as they normally do I'm not going to panic about that after one week because you know go back to UNC game we gave up 203 yards and no touchdowns against an elite uh, offense in UNC so I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt maybe this just wasn't a good game for them maybe ULM just could attack them in some ways that other teams couldn't Uh, but the main problem is this uh, rushing defense of App State and they were vulnerable once again they gave up over 200 yards rushing in this game and outside of George or outside of Gardner Webb this App State defense or rushing defense has given up a 20 plus yard run in every single game they've been in I brought this up last week and we kind of talked about it how you know there's a big run with Amarian Hampton 68 yards against UNC and the 75 yard run last week against Wyoming and I think the general consensus was we can kind of look past that because besides that, we played pretty good against the run against Wyoming. But I kind of said the opposite. I was like, you see it. It's one thing if it happens once, but when you see it happening every game, and even against ECU, we had two 20-plus yard runs. It's starting to become a problem, and now it's officially a problem against UNC. Two runs of 20-plus yards, 68-31. ECU, they also had two runs of 28 yards. Wyoming, another two. And then ULM, they had four runs of plus 20 yards. And it's these big chunk plays that are killing us. But then also, we're giving up five and a half yards per carry, which is, get this, 116th in the country out of 130 teams. We are actually one of the worst rushing defenses in the country right now, and that's not against great opponents. So this rush defense might be really bad, but we we need to figure something out because that's the main problem in this defense right now. I see this a lot of the way that you do. The secondary was getting torn up a little bit. Jaya Wright, 
the ULM quarterback has a game log that goes like this through the season. 70 yards, 95 yards, 268 <laughs> yards. He had over, over 100 yards more against App State than what he had versus Army and Texas A&M combined. But a lot of that does come from the rushing defense struggling so much because there's a lot of one-on-one kind of helps help out there. So guys like Tyrone Howell and Darian Wiley were finding themselves in one-on-one situations and winning a lot of them. Yeah, I mean, you kind of stole my point exactly, Cody. You know, I was looking at the stats uh, Saturday before the game, and I was looking at their QB situation, and I was like, oh, this might be not too bad for the defense. You know, 164 yards total, and get this throw for zero touchdowns through two games. And then he comes and lights us up for four touchdowns and 268 yards. Like, I think the main issue was our uh, corner defense. You know, I think Ethan Johnson, I think, got targeted like 50 million times on the sideline, it seemed like. And he just got lit up the entire game. And we just could not stop some of those plays. And I, because I knew they were going to have a solid rushing game because they had a solid rushing core. But the pass game just killed us. Yeah, this was one of those (laughs) games that... In, our, in a lot of our discussions, it always felt like we're, okay, we're we're, tar- we're targeting the we're targeting the pass game. So the rush game is secondary to the way that we view it, and we'd rather defend the pass rather than the rush. And we go into Wyoming, and you kind of get the feeling that okay, maybe we're going to try to put a little bit more pressure on those front five. We're going to try to rush the quarterback a little bit more. We're going to plug the plug the holes up on that offensive line a little bit more. They still are able to run a decent bit all over us. They run for 100-plus yards. It was better than what we had seen, but it wasn't still fantastic. We come into this week, and we think it's the same thing. We're going to look for something similar to what we saw against ECU, trying to push the front five up, load the box a little bit, bring the defense in. And then on that opening drive, there were so many quick completions. And all of a sudden, App State just kind of fell on their heels. And they weren't, they weren't sure really what to do. And at that point... It then kind of unfolded and unraveled to where you started to believe that if you didn't already, the rush defense, it wasn't bad because it wasn't being prioritized. And that's kind of how I look at it coming out of this game. Tackling an open space also was one of the worst it has been all year. There were so many missed tackles and missed opportunities, especially off some of these short completions that really could have been limited to three or four yards that broke open for seven, eight, nine, ten first down yardage. And that's where I draw a little of my frustration with it. Just that I don't think that it was anything of unpreparedness, but the stat that Lucas mentioned about us being, what'd you say? It was we were 113 in the country? 116th out of 130 in rushing yards per carry. That's inexcusable at this point and up until this up until now it's been a discussion of game plan and and now i just feel like it's a discussion of this is a genuine problem yeah but while this defense struggled the offense on the other end put up 40 plus points for the third time this year this was the game that felt the most sporadic for this unit. Joey Aguilar was 27 for 39, 335 yards through the air, three touchdowns and two interceptions. Nate Noel passed the mark of 100 yards again, averaging six yards per carry across 18 carries for 109 total yards. Rate this offensive performance this past week and address any concerns if you may have some. Lucas, let's hear from you. I'm sorry, I got wildly distracted by Ryan walking in opening the loudest. Oh, bag you're, of candy you're, you're all good. I've ever you are all because you, uh, you can hear. I, I had to turn your mic down. It was yeah. still getting picked up by Cody's. Yeah, yeah for a second uh, I thought you all were laughing at my take, and then I heard the candy wrapper. <laughs> and then I realized what was going on. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, shout out Ryan. He's sitting behind me, but yeah, no, I'll, I'll try to get on chat on track here. Um, so yeah, the offense. Uh, big thing I think is turnovers. If you just look at the turnovers, uh, they've had six turn. Or let me pull it. Where do I have it written down? Uh, turnover. Yeah, six to three in the last two games against Wyoming. Uh, that includes four from your quarterback Joey Aguilar. Uh, and you scored sixty points the last two games. So scoring the ball isn't a problem, but it's just self inflicted injury or self inflicted uh, problems. It's just the turnovers have to stop, especially in this game. I hadn't gotten to this point with Joey yet, but. 
after the second interception, I was just fearful of any ball he threw. Like, I just didn't want him. I just, as a fan, didn't feel confident in my quarterback anymore at that point. And he threw two moon ball picks. Like, they weren't even, like, just wasn't reading the coverage right, either had miscommunication with his wide receiver. Like, no, they were just bad throws that were underthrown and both got intercepted. But then you also see the fumble, and just the decision-making is starting to scare me a little bit with Aguilar. I still think this defense, this offense can put up points, and I think maybe, even if it's not fun, and if it might cause some fan backlash for lack of aggression I think we should maybe lean into ground and pound more because you have to look at Aguilar for what he is he's a quarterback who since the GW game has been very average he's throwing just over 50 percent completion he's averaging a good amount of yards to 260 yards per game but that's on eight touchdowns and five interceptions with two lost fumbles that's seven turnovers in four games this is a guy who was playing juco ball in California a year ago it's not like I just feel like the expectations kind of got blown out of the water after that amazing Gardner-Webb performance. This is still a backup quarterback at the end of the day. He's performing admirably for a backup quarterback, but our offense shouldn't be relied on him. And in this game, we put the ball in his hands way too much. And he's thrown the ball, generally, in my opinion, way too much. He's thrown over 40 times, three times this year. I think that needs to go down. I think we need to lean on the rush a little bit more because we've been able to do that consistently. But, yeah, the turnovers are just starting to pile up. So I think we need to start limiting them and changing the offense based on the turnovers. I agree 100%. Even in an off, in a game where your offense scores 34 points, it's kind of hard to really have your head that high because of the turnovers. It just didn't feel like the game that we had on the stat sheet. Is four turnovers in that game. If App had lost, it would have really come down to those turnovers. Because as you said, Lucas, the team has been able to throughout the season and was able to against ULM move the ball down the field. It was just throwing away possessions that's hurt them on offense. Yeah, I mean, I think, of course, ball security is one of the main issues for this offense. But, you know, what getting at what Lucas was talking about a second ago, you know, we really succeed a lot more when we run the ball more with this offense. You know, we were talking about how Nate Noel got over 100 yards. He got 106. And I compare this to our last win against ECU. He rushed for 193. You know, I really want to see more games where, you know, Nate Noel's closer to the 200 mark than he is the 100 mark if we're going to keep trying to win. Because, you know, I think, you know, Joey has flashes of greatness and, like, really good plays. Like we saw on Gardner-Webb, you know, he he has some crazy plays. But at the end of the day, it's we, are, we have better odds of winning if we go through Nate Noel and the rest of the running core and going into the future. And the big thing is, it's not just the turnovers. Like, we can go back to Wyoming game and talk about the empty possessions we had, three drives getting within the, our red zone and not turning into touchdowns. And on two of those drives, it was an arid pass or lack of a pass from Joey that mm-hmm. caused those touchdowns. One of those red zone drives, there was a wide open Nate Noel on running a, like either an angle route or a slant route. And Joey just doesn't get to that read fast enough, ends up taking a sack. And then on the first possession in the red zone, it gets his pass that was to Christian Horn, who was open for a touchdown, gets tipped at the line of scrimmage. Might not be on him. Might just be a good play from the lineman. But regardless, that's two plays that weren't made by Joey Aguilar. And I don't want to sit here and bash Joey. I think he's doing fine for a pack quarterback. But if you look at this offense, we're gaining a lot of yards. But it's starting to get to the point where I'm like, does it matter how many yards we're gaining? Because it's not resulting in the kind of production you want from this offense. Can we still give him that, that backup quarterback, though? Like... If we're not going to bring up any kind of, which I don't want, by the way, any kind of quarterback controversy, we kind of can't really give him the grace of, of backup quarterback because right now he, he I is mean, the guy. Yeah. You guys, I mean, I said this last week, and I know I might be in minority here. I think the conversation should be had. I'm not saying I want it to be had, but I just think you have to. You came into the year with one guy as a starter if you thought he was better, and Aguilar has played well but not perfect. I just think you have to at least see what you have in Burr. Or not. I'm not saying you have to bench Aguilar and see what you have in Burger, but like you can't close the door on Burger becoming the starter this season. Yeah, put him in for like a quarter or something, or just practice. Can. Even let him run at first team and stuff. Yeah. Like that. Right now, I'm I'm still in like we should play Aguilar every single snap against Coastal Carolina. But if you lose Coastal Carolina, you go three and three, and Aguilar has three turnovers again. Then yeah, that that momentum, that conversation begins to shift. I just think that's great. So you don't feel like you can have the conversation now after the last two games. I don't. I don't think so. I don't because Coastal's. I mean, Coastal doesn't look great, but it's it's our one of our tougher games every season. I don't want to go in saying let's play Burger 
for a quarter and practice do whatever you want but but game time i just want one qb taking all the snaps i would rather go i would rather if we lost the coastal and it was a really bad loss and you want to open up the conversation i'd rather you 100 percent switch it to burger than yeah. start doing like one quarter one quarter type thing i agree i think that's fair i guess let Aguilar play. I mean, I'm not saying I don't think we should bench Aguilar for Coastal. I think Aguilar should start against Coastal. Uh, I'm just saying that I think it should start. Like I, I think his leash should be a lot shorter than maybe what a lot of people think, and I just think we should start to. I don't know. I just don't think it should be a. I, I don't think you're saying that, but I just think we should start to think Berger could possibly come in as starter if. I'm it continues. Yeah. Like if if he has three turnovers and a loss against Coastal, I'm yeah. agreeing that like now it's I'm I'm a big I am a big like everything all in on one guy thing. So it's tougher for me to get to that point of opening the conversation because opening the conversation for me does mean just put in another guy if your guy isn't getting it done. But I am agreeing with you in the fact that if it's the same kind of game of three turnovers, then yes, there's there's no more there, there is that shorter leash going into next week than I had going into the last two when it comes to if Aguilar doesn't perform, it's time to say, hey, like, let's, let's look at what we need to do. And the other thing I'd say on that is we kind of talked about like leaning on the run. It could be a situation where Berger just might not have the production of Aguilar. Like mm-hmm. If he comes in, we talked about it, how he wasn't as aggressive in that half he played against Gardner-Webb. And when Aguilar came in, he, the game opened up. But if you kind of, I will say this changes because we don't have a great defense also. So mm-hmm. that means you can't kind of play the style of play. But if you have a guy who's turning the ball over like Aguilar or you have a guy in Berger who can at least game manage more but allow that run game to flourish and not hurt yourself with the turnovers, I think you could start to look at that as maybe just helps you win games because the guy isn't going to you know, give the ball away three times a game. And it hasn't been three times a game, obviously, every game. But seven total turnovers over four games is not a small amount. Mm-hmm. Is he? Is Ryan clear to play next week? Or? I have no clue. Yeah, I have no clue what the health situation is with him. We're, we're not sure. So last week, the most recent thing that I saw was on Wednesday, he was not in pads. He was in his jersey, but not in pads. He was running cone drills and throwing a foam football, running with a full-size football, who was not taking any reps back with practice squad or with first team. Practice is open today and tomorrow. We'll, we, I know a couple people are going out tomorrow uh, to do some interviews and stuff like that for our game day show for Tuesday. So we'll have more word when it comes to the Thursday show, we kind of break down that Coastal Carolina game where Ryan Berger will be sitting at. For me, we're looking back at this offense. Joey Aguilar threw the ball 39 times. Sap State team, when the ball was not run by Joey Aguilar, ran it 30 times. And I just I don't feel like that should be the split we're looking at. I agree. In, in total, mm-hmm. the split is 39-37. Joey had seven runs for 49 yards, average seven per carry. Some of those were scrambles. Some were more productive. Some seemed a little bit more scripted. At the dis- If we're throwing the ball more than we are running the ball with Amani Marshall, Kanye Roberts, Nate freaking Noel, then something, something's up. That's that's not a game plan that I want to see for the rest of the year unless we have to go shootout. I do think, you know, you have to look at the game situation and this oh, was a game course, where we yeah. had to throw like mm-hmm. we literally had to throw the ball because oh, yeah. we had to go on a final drive yeah. and set up a field goal. So a lot of those final drives were no run, all pass, and we still even I think there was one where we ran the ball, we picked up a lot of yards, but we had to like rush to the line to spike it. Um but, yeah, I mean, it obviously depends on the game. But overall, his throws have been way too much. Where like This is what I'm kind of talking about, where it's like we put too much on Aguilar early after that Gardner-Webb performance that we think he's just that quarterback now. And it's like you rarely would ask a backup quarterback to throw the ball 40 times. And you like rarely would you ask a backup quarterback to throw the ball 40 times and then not expect that amount of turnovers. And he's done that for like three games now, throwing the ball about 40 times. So like the turnovers kind of make sense with how much we're asking him to throw the ball. Well, that was one of the things that confused me a little bit after the Wyoming game was why we were trying to run such complex concepts with Joey Aguilar. Yeah. We got to remember, he's a backup quarterback. He's been in the system for a couple months. He was playing Juco a year ago. He was playing Juco a year ago. And when you go into Wyoming and you're running, and I know there's always game time play changes, but I have to go back to that triple option because 
I mean, he made one of the like shack and a biggest shack and a fool plays the year. He's like well, he seven yards and, past the line of scrimmage. Yeah, and it wasn't even like <laughs> it wasn't even close. And it's just like I I think that Joey Aguilar for what he has been has been good. We this is pretty much kind of about what you'd expect from a backup quarterback. I think Lucas, you you said it perfectly. We pushed the expectations after the first half of that Gardner Webb game against an FCS team and an FCS defense through the roof, and then all of a sudden it felt like the coaching staff also grabbed on to such heavy confidence with that. And I love that from our coaching staff, that they think he's capable of that. But whether that's the right move or not, to try and start playing him as if he's been in this system, as if he is the, he was that starting quarterback from day one, that just it kind of kind of leans me leans me the wrong way a little bit. I think a big thing too is like it was the Garner Web performance and then he played pretty well against UNC yep. and I feel like people after that were like you know, I think when he came in, people had their expectations tempered. But once they saw those first two games, they were like, okay, I'm no longer looking at him like a backup. I'm looking at him like a starter production. But when you actually, like when you look at it, like zoom out, like, oh, you know, he only had the one pick. He made some game-winning plays in that UNC game, and they lost in double overtime. You would take go away thinking, oh, Aguilar had a good game. But, like, when you dive into it a little more, it was definitely, like, there was some rough parts of that performance. He barely completed over 50% of his pe- 50% of his passes on that final possession, he just couldn't get a completion. He threw three shake incompletions in o- sack double overtime, including the final incompletion to Deshaun Davis. And in a lot a lot of parts of that game, the offense boiled down to, I'm going to throw it up to Deshaun, uh, to Dalton Stroman and Screw hope it, somebody's that down there. Dalton Stroman <laughs> catches a 50-50 ball. So it's not that he played bad, but there was definitely some critiques to be made after that performance. And we just kind of, overall, I feel like, just went a little too far on Joey is our guy. I think Joey's been playing great, but yeah, it's it's a work in progress. And if you go and start reading up about this game and how this offense performed, you'll see there's a lot of new season highs that were set. There's a lot of new season highs with offensive totals, just more marks that we just hadn't eclipsed yet this year since early in the year between Gardner-Webb and ECU. So while the stat lines, they may read the season highs and new marks for this team, this felt like the scrappiest App State has had to play all season, especially while producing and scoring points. Overall, what do you make of this win against UL Monroe? I guess you could look at it and say it's scrappy and that like we should be encouraged because our guys fought back and got this win and you know it wasn't easy. And that is all true. Like This team showed at least some guts. Like They don't back down like we looked like we blew this game and then we set ourselves up and kicked that 53-yard field goal to win it. But for me, it kind of just has shown it's either one of two things. It's either App State isn't... There's the gap in the Sun Belt, I feel like, has diminished between the top and bottom. And I don't know if that's the lower teams getting better or the upper teams falling down a little bit. You could argue like Coastal, us, Troy don't look as good this year. And some lower teams that finish lower in the conference look a little better. Texas State, uh, ULM is one of them. But uh, if overall, I just think this is a game three years ago that we sh- I just think we come in and we win by multiple touchdowns. And, we eviscerate them. Yeah. and they, boat race them. For, for me, it's just, at least for me, watching this team, it's just an adjustment where I know these games are going to be tough in this conference, and I don't... It's not, like, going to be the cakewalk year in, year out, getting those... Like, winning the Sunbelt East. We're going to have to work to do it. There's good teams that, maybe on paper, are even better than us, like a Marshall or uh, and JMU, even though they can't win it, but... Yeah, it's just the overall the talent in the Sun Belt is much closer, and no longer are there there are these easy conference win games like there used to be. After the UNC game, Sean Clark was saying we didn't come here for moral victories; we came for a win. But the UNC game, still at least in my chair, still felt like a moral victory. This game was a moral loss. You got another one in the win column, which is great, but it showed that the era of App State football where it felt like you could go ahead and put a W on the board against certain Sunbelt teams is over. Our games against Old Dominion and Southern Miss should be taken as heavily and as seriously as games against Marshall and Georgia Southern, and I I lean towards the side that it is the Sunbelt has gotten a lot better. And App State has struggled against teams that they aren't used to struggling against the ULM game, while a win is a clear example of that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I definitely have fallen victim of 
you know, App State's going to win this game. You know, you can probably listen to the broadcast we had Saturday right before the game with me, Ryan, Andrew, and Matt, and you can probably tell that we're pretty confident we're going to win this game. You know, you look at the stats, you look at how this team ranks, and, you know, they're bottom of the Sun Belt. You know, they're one of the lowest-ranked teams in the country, you know, and you look at this and you're like, App's going to blow them out because, of course, it's App State, but I think, you know, not not only the fans including me, but also the team kind of has to get adjusted to, like, you know, it's not going to be a cakewalk every game, and I think that's got to be a big thing that this team has to manage so they're not scrambling back at the end of a game against ULM that they should have been mentally prepared for. There's no easy win anymore for this team. I felt it last year, and we hoped that we'd maybe see a resurgence and it isn't to say that this team is worse than teams of the past, because this is still a very, very talented App State football team. But, Cody, you mentioned it. The Sun Belt's getting better. The Sun Belt is getting a lot better. Georgia State has made a program. They, they've, they've built up a really good program. Georgia Southern has looked a lot better. The teams that you kind of felt like in 2017, 2018 you'd roll over you you got to take them as serious as as if it's this is the game. I mean, this is the Sun Belt Championship because UL Monroe will not be the last game that we have to fight through like that. UL Monroe will not be the last game that we play and that we're favored and will be down in at some point. I can feel almost completely confident in saying that. But we got to find a way to win, and that's what we did, and that's what I take away from this game. It wasn't pretty. There was a lot of things I disagreed with from a play-calling standpoint. There was a lot of things that didn't go right from an execution standpoint. But we were able to pull it off. We got that victory. Whether it was a good decision for UL Monroe to pretty much give us the game by going for it on fourth and one on our four, I mean, it was an opportunity. We took it. And we walked out of there with a win. Michael Hughes was carried off on the shoulders of his teammates. And you move on. And you look forward now to this Coastal game, which arguably will be the biggest game of the year so far for this team, especially with how Coastal has looked so far this year. Mountaineers will get an extra three days of preparation before they'll have to take on Coastal Carolina under the lights on Tuesday, October 10th at Kid Brewer Stadium. Coastal Carolina will head up the mountain with a 2-3 and record, 0-2 in the Sun Belt after losses to UCLA, Georgia State, and Georgia Southern through their first five games. What would you like to see App State change or maintain and keep the same before this primetime matchup? Um, I mean, a lot of this stuff is just what I would ideally like to see. So, like, obviously, when the game starts, you can see a lot of, like, how Coastal is going to play our offense and stuff. So it will change game time. But I ideally would like to see us kind of play a ball control style of, like, that football like i just want to limit the amount of times we're throwing the ball maximize time we're throwing the ball keep grayson mccall off the field as long as possible and the other thing is don't give him easy completions early i say you kind of press up on those wide receivers bring some pressure early mccall has thrown six touchdowns and six interceptions this year so he hasn't been good about turning the ball over um he's been very good in years past but against jaya Wright, we let him get into a get comfortable very early against this offense or against our defense. I don't think we can afford to do that against Grayson McCall. I think if we really just control the ball when we have it, like long possessions that keep defense on the field, and then when uh, Coastal Carolina comes on the field, you just put pressure in Grayson McCall's face and force him into third and longs or obvious passing situations, and we can just pin our ears back and get to the quarterback. And then we have guys like Tyreek Funderburg that can you know, get some pick sixes. I, I think we'll be in good shape, but yeah, that's what I'd like to see. Obviously, it can look very different game time. I think you you got to make Grayson McCall uncomfortable, just like you said. He's their best player. He was a couple A's away from maybe being an SEC quarterback. So he's someone that you got to make uncomfortable. You can't let him make big plays like we've seen before against you. And then on the other side, I want to see App State run it like crazy. You obviously have guys that can do that. Coastal gives up 164 rushing yards a game. That's 11th in the Sun Belt. So that Nate Noel and company win you in this game. Yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you, Cody. You know, we got to really tighten up those corners, as I was talking about earlier uh, when we first started this segment. But I think, you know, you got to make McCall uncomfortable. You can't let him get those easy passes, those quick first downs. You know, you have to take it to the third and long the or even the fourth and long, you know, depending on how the game goes later in the game. But I think, you know, also it's a mindset thing because, you know, we're talking about – we were just talking about, you know, going into – 
the game against LMU or whatever, or ULM, sorry, um, you know, you look at the stats, and I'm, I learned my lesson Saturday, so I'm not saying this is what I'm saying. But, you know, you look at the stats, you look at how Coastal stacks up against other teams, and you may start thinking, oh, App has a really good really good chance of winning this game, and then the team goes in there way too comfortably and just kind of just kind of out there like we're supposed to win. I think really the main thing is the mindset going into this game. I think another big thing, uh, if you look at the running backs for these two teams, Nate Noel has more than 400 yards, more than the Coastal Carolina's best rusher. He's about 650. Coastal Carolina's best rusher is at like 240. So if you can get in a situation where every time you're touching the ball, you're taking these long drives and just killing clock, and they can't do the same on the other end, and they just have to throw the ball, and like you get some third and outs going, I think we can quickly... I think that's the way we could grab the momentum of this game and really put the pressure on Coastal Carolina, especially coming to Boone. So I think that's really our mode of winning this game. I had said a couple weeks ago after watching the Georgia State game that Coastal Carolina looked like an uncoordinated, undisciplined, and incomplete football team. You're just setting us up for disaster. And... I watched it. I watched their game against Georgia Southern, and they they did they fixed a lot. They still lost that game, but they did fix a lot. And it seems like every year, this is kind of at least in the past, this has been the Sun Belt East Super Bowl, as you can call mm-hmm. it. This whoever wins this will go to the conference game. And I don't think that Coastal Carolina has changed their mindset one bit on that. We can't look at what Coastal's done so far this year and undermine them at all. Y'all said it perfectly that we've got to come into this game and. We have to feel like we're underdogs. We have to feel like we aren't supposed to win this game because we're not. This is a team that's had our number. We lost to them last year. We went on the road. It was a hard-fought game, but we couldn't get it done. And we got to remember, last time Coastal Carolina was here, they were ranked, and we beat them. And we knocked them off. We stormed the field in 2021. And it's, it's a game that has a lot more meaning behind it than just a 2-3 and three Coastal Carolina team coming up the mountain I want App State to run the football. I want them to punch it down Coastal Carolina's throats because between the Georgia Southern game and the Georgia State game, that is the one thing where they struggled, and that is the one spot where they got so frustrated. The defense. I mean, it just felt like the defense would let off a couple big big yards and a big rips, and you'd see the visible frustration that they couldn't stop it. Nate Noel has a chance to just tear apart this defense. And, Cody, you mentioned the stat they're giving up. What was it, 162? 164. 164 per game. And we're giving up 180. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, we are. But this offense, if keeping it on the ground, it's a primetime game. This, just, this, feels like, this feels like a moment for us to, to try and just to push back against some of the critique. We don't have to blow them out. We, we don't have to even win convincingly. But winning this game and feeling confident about this team is all I'm looking for out of App State. So, do you guys have anything else pertaining to either small little preview or this game against ULM before we move on to our NFL segment? Nothing to do with App State, but did you say Matt was on the pregame show? He yeah. was. Matt Schweiger? Yeah. yeah. What? I didn't know that. He's we had back in the booth for the weekend. Yeah. Somebody pick? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is he taking the radio class? I mean, he graduated, so I think it resets. I think we yeah. just broke the yeah, rule. Yeah, Uh-oh. yeah. He can come back. Was that, was that Ryan Hendricks who brought him on? That was him. That hey, guy right there. hey, Ryan, we're going to have a meeting after the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unauthorized people on the radio. Yeah. Well, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. And when we get back, we are going to be talking some of the chaos that unfolded in the NFL this week. Don't go anywhere. Be back in about two or three minutes with Sports Wrap right here on 90.5 WASU. This program is sponsored by Eggers Law Firm, located on West King Street in downtown Boone. From business to traffic matters, the Eggers Law Firm has provided legal service to the high country since 1950. As fourth-generation Appalachian alumni, the Eggers Law Firm is here to assist you with legal help when you need it. The Eggers Law Firm, 737 West King Street. Anna Bananas is a longtime supporter of WASU-FM, App State's college radio station. Anna Bananas Fine Consignment Store buys, sells, trades, and serves Boone from 641 West King Street. You can follow Anna Bananas on Instagram and Facebook. The App State Career Development Center is here to support students as you explore career paths, identify and develop skills, and pursue experiential opportunities. With the tagline of Explore, Build, Pursue, the center provides opportunities for students to be empowered to achieve lifelong professional success. 
As you explore majors and careers, our coaches can help you think about how your goals, skills, interests, decision-making process, and personality type might translate into a career. Get started on your career and professional development journey today. Visit the Career Development Center website at careers.appstate.edu. Bobby, you know the lyrics. Start going. Well, I don't. I don't know the lyrics. Oh. Come on, Bobby. <laughs> Come on, man. We needed it for you. Welcome back. <laughs> 90.5 WASU Sports Wrap. We got about 15 minutes to talk some NFL football. So I picked out four storylines for you guys for us to talk about. With the first one hitting a little closer to home to some of us in the room as the Panthers. They fall to 0-4 after losing to the Minnesota Vikings. After trading up for the number one overall pick in the draft this past offseason, the Panthers are one of two teams in the league without a win. Panthers possessed the ball for 38 times against the Vikings, gaining 20 first downs, yet they only totaled 232 yards across 68 plays and did not score an offensive touchdown. Cody, as the resident Panthers fan on the show, I will let you lead this discussion. What needs to change in Carolina? The play calling absolutely needs to change. Surprise. The same run every single time on first down gets predictable. Who knew? Frank Reich also isn't giving Bryce Young any chances to show his potential. It's a lot of checkdowns and passes from behind the line of scrimmage. You can see that even Young is getting frustrated with it. Just let them do more. I would rather have Young throw 30 interceptions over the season but be able to show off his potential throwing it to the third level of the field than what we're seeing right now. I know the weapons aren't great, but you opened up the playbook more with Andy Dalton. Do the same with Bryce Young. Everything we hear coming out of practice is about how good Bryce Young looks. So is that a lie, talking about his accuracy down the field? Because I don't see that trust in the game. If you don't trust Bryce Young to throw the ball down the field, just play Andy Dalton already. Let Bryce learn from him. But if you do, like you're saying you do, and you want to play Bryce, trust him with the bigger playbook. you got to let him do more. The team's suffering because of it. He's suffering because of it. And it's, it's one of those things where it's like Frank Reich is getting frustrated when asked in postgame, are you giving up the play calling? What's the timetable on that? And he's getting defensive and he's getting frustrated that they're asking about it. In February, you said you're giving up the play calling at some point in the season. So you're mad that people are asking you, when is that going to happen? What's the timetable on that? It's a bit of a loaded question because the play calling is horrible right now. That's why they're asking, if we're being real. But there's no point in getting frustrated in it when you said you're going to give it over. I think it's about time to get it over. The one thing... I, I agree. I, I think the Panthers are very bad, and I've said this very publicly on this show. You're going to get a free um, dinner. Not, yeah, it's not a surprise. <laughs> no, no, I'm sure there's a lot of people are shocked that I'm taking the route that Panthers aren't good. But I do push back. I don't think Frank Wright's a good coach. I said that as well. But I, I don't. a lot of the stuff you're saying, I don't 100% put on Frank Wright. Like you said, the throwing deep uh, and like focusing on short passes and behind this line of scrimmage passes it's kind of hard to throw the ball deep when you know you have you allow five sacks in that game and you rush the ball for 2.7 yards per carry well, we it much much more with Andy Dalton it's because Andy Dalton doesn't Andy Dalton doesn't hold the ball as long as Bryce Young Bryce Young and Justin Fields hold the ball the longest in the NFL among all starting quarterbacks they have glue on at least hands. Andy Dalton got rid of it and I'm not saying put him in the situation where he has to <laughs> like it's I mean those throw his feet to the fire if he throws picks he throws picks but it's like you can't just keep caught him because you don't trust him to throw the ball down the field. I get it. I, I do think yeah. You at some point you have to open up the playbook. I just there's been some certain instances like I think of Saints, second game of the year Saints when they're in the red zone they call a drop back pass play. He tries to extend the play, scrambles, gets sacked from behind and fumbles the ball. So some of it I feel like is trying to protect your quarterback. Like you have a quarterback who wants to make plays, who wants to hold on to the ball, extend plays. Sometimes that's not in the NFL when you're still adjusting to the speed of it. I don't think he's ready for that. Uh, but I, I do think there's been a lot of problems with the coaching to go over. Over it, like I said, you ran the ball, you averaged 2.7 yards per carry. Your two leading wide receivers were Adam Thielen and Terrace Marshall, and they averaged 7.3 yards per catch. You allowed five sacks. 
So I don't care what anything happens. Nothing matters if those are your offensive stats. You're going to be bad if those are what you're producing on the offensive end. So until you figure out the offensive line, get some talent next to Chase Young, or Bryce Young, and then yeah, start to figure out the play calling a little bit. There's not much to talk about with the Panthers. They're going to lose a lot of games. Yeah, I feel like the Panthers in the last couple of years have really kind of lacked an identity as a team a little bit. But, um, you know, a lot of it is Frank Reich with the play calling. But I can kind of see what Lucas is talking about there because, you know, yes, Frank Reich said he was going to hand over the offense more and he was going to do all these things. But you still have a rookie quarterback starting for you at the end of the day. So I'm not surprised that there's less play calls for those deep plays, those big gains. But, but I'm not even saying throw 50-yard bombs. <laughs> I'm just saying we're, he's had like one throw past 20 yards the entire game. I just – the way I look at it, like – because you're right, where the offense was way more open with Andy Dalton. But with Andy Dalton, you just have a guy you trust. M- and I'm not even saying so why like are we any- playing Bryce Young. If we don't trust Andy Dalton, you need, to throw the football. But this is why is he playing quarterback? Because this is why you're playing quarterback. Because to get through these lumps, so that he eventually figures but out this stuff. But we're not putting stuff. him in a situation where he's in game time figuring it out because we're calling plays that avoid him in that situation he's not going to right, let him throw out. a million picks let's see how his coffin's doing after that <laughs> I'd, ra- I'd rather see Bryce the Young throw a ton point. of picks year one and let him figure this out and give him the reins than see what we're seeing now the play calling on Sunday was horrific it was awful it, it hurt to watch as, as somebody just as an outside observer that game hurt to watch because oh, I loved it. it was it was screen pass <laughs> after it was like it was either Bryce had no time or he had to dump it off to Sanders who was motioning behind him as if the the Vikings didn't know it was coming and then there was a dump off screen pass gain of two. Bryce Young had one pass over 15 yards the entire game. It was an eight yard 18 yard completion. He had 13 throws that were completed behind the line of scrimmage. 13. Where's I don't get it. I really don't. I, I like you see what Houston's doing, and this is a completely Houston's a different system and a different scheme. It's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> Can't but do that. At least, at least they're letting their quarterback throw the ball. Oh my and, god, dude, shut up! Like, yes, no, like, yes. what are you talking about? Like, those are one guy's playing like Drew Brees right now. One of them looks like Nathan Peter. I don't even know the comparison. Bryce Young, but, Bryce Young this year. Bryce Young this year. When when receivers are open. Tank leads, Bell and Nico Collins <laughs> leads, leads the NFL in completions with over 80% when receivers are open. Oh, what a stat right there. Bryce Young, yeah. so far this idea. year. I like Bryce. <laughs> it's just like, like Bryce, uh, Bryce Young has shown Bryce Young, apart from, apart from a couple bad throws, a couple bad interceptions, which you feel like is going to happen for a rookie or should, Peyton has Manning played, has played well. He has. I just okay. He has no. He has no. He does not have a play calling around him to lead him to success. And the and and the receivers are just not able to get any free space. Okay, I have a thing. I can't believe I'm defending him right now. We can't fix that. That's kind of the problem. Like you're talking about. The Texans open okay, up the playbook okay, for C.J. Stroud because C.J. Stroud looks about 10 steps better than Bryce Young right now. But also, he has real talent to throw well, the ball to. we about Bryce Young in practice. Like, he's... That's what you do when you have like a bad that. quarterback. No, no, no. That's what you do with any quarterback you have. And I know that you, like... <laughs> he looks great in the training camp. It's just so annoying. It's like, him and the offense clicking right now. Give him, give him a chance. We aren't seeing anything. We have people calling Bryce Young a bust, but he, he's not getting the opportunity to do anything. It's just for, it's so just, frustrating to watch. There's right? two, it's hard to watch. When you have a bad offense like you have right now with Bryce Young, so I will say this, because there's two routes you can go with a young quarterback, because you're playing him immediately. You either... Like you said, throw him to the fire, let him throw a million picks, let him all learn it for himself, but then become a better quarterback afterwards. Or, and it didn't work out, so this might be a, not a great example, but the Patriots and Mac Jones. You gave it to him slowly. You let you fed the offense to him, let him get more comfortable. And by the end of the, his rookie season, he looked like a competent quarterback who understood the offense he was in. I think week one, you kind of did the trial by fire. I will say, I've watched the film from the first two games, didn't watch third week. This week, I will go back and watch, not me personally, because I don't have the access. Shout out to the QB School YouTube plug, but he's done, doing great stuff. But in those first two weeks, like against the Falcons, you did kind of let him air it out, and you did test that secondary of the Falcons, and then Jesse Bates picked him, baited him into two picks on the <laughs> same route. So Good. <laughs> I, just, I mean, I'm just saying there's no winning. It's either he's going to throw a million picks, or you play conservative, and he, his stat line looks okay, but at least he's 
maybe learning. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're in a tough spot because you have I'd no talent on offense. It's not like we're going to win games Yeah, anyway. I was about to say, you're 0-4 right now. What <laughs> else do you have to lose? <laughs> like, I mean, in this position. Boy, I'm not too worried about his confidence. Like, yeah. Like, that's something that you I'd start about, to get a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, boy, just let him throw the game. Like, you got to let him play. Because, I mean, I think, you know, if – you don't do anything and you do these short things, you're gonna end up like 0 and 16, or like only like one or two. Okay. Games. We might end up, we're gonna end up 2 and 15 anyways. It yeah, and so it, okay. You might as well, well give them the experience at least to play a little bit. Learn but you're hitting danger zone when, well, you can't do that now because then you're gonna kill it. Because you talk about the confidence and you're like, oh, he's a big boy, he'll figure it out. It's like, yeah, but if you if that confidence is getting checked by maybe he wins less than three games this year and yeah. he's terrible, I think you could actually make like you, there's been quarterbacks in the past that are good quarterbacks and their confidence gets shaken by being in incompetent situations and then they're not the same quarterback afterwards because of that. You're starting to hit danger zone with Bryce if Young about in his that confidence, situation. You better take his phone because I don't want him looking at Twitter right now. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's not a great. It's not a good either. place to be at the moment. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, as I, I don't think there's a right answer. I think you guys suck, and you're going to lose a lot of games, and I think you messed up by drafting a quarterback and trading up for it. So, it's a bigger conversation. But, yeah, I, I don't know what you do with Bryce Young. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Getting heated on sports or up to that. Oh, this isn't heated. You missed yesterday. Bryce Young is going to be really, like... He's got the potential to be great. He has the potential to be very, very good. Well, every rookie quarterback just, does. That's not true. Yeah, that's well, like he's um, got the but like, potential to be very, very <laughs> I mean, good. He's got, I mean, he's the number one pick for a reason. And I don't know. So, Co- like Cody, as, as a Panthers fan, I pose this to you. If Bryce Young, because we've seen, let's say they give him the keys to the offense. Let's say Frank Wright starts, stops calling plays and they start airing it out more. Bryce Young still is putting up extremely mediocre stat lines halfway, two-thirds through the season. How are you feeling as a Panthers fan? I mean... It's a mean question. <laughs> okay. it's I'm just curious. Like, I'm, like, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Your quarterback sucks you know, right now. How do you feel about it? Kind of like you said, Lucas. You're, not, you're kind of too far in. You're not going to sit Bryce Young or do anything like that because midway through the season, we're going to go into the bye week 0-6. So it's a matter of you're playing the guy and you're, you're let him, letting him get those game-time situations. He, he's he's in this situation where it's like he looks not great because his weapons aren't great. But if you ask a Panthers fan biasly and holding on that ounce of hope, which I am continuing to do, if you ask me two thirds through the season and we're terrible, I'm going to say who's he have to throw the ball to. So, yeah, he until we until we can get a number one wide receiver that isn't Adam Thielen or like. I don't know. What are we going to do? Go get Chase Claypool right now? We're looking for a number one wide receiver. It's not going to be anyone great. So I think his numbers aren't going to be great. He's not going to play like CJ or Anthony Richardson this year. And until we get him an actual number one guy, that's not going to change. It's unfortunate. It's a tough time in Charlotte right now. It is. Always is. I always love our Panthers (laughs) discussions here. I, I, I really do. So we've got Three minutes left. <laughs> Cooked all the time away. <laughs> I was, you know, there's always drama surrounding it. So, so it's, always, I, it's, always, it's always fun. I, I always love Lucas and Cody going at it. We don't have time. I would say it's pretty tame. I, I was agreeing. I, the only oh, thing, no, I would say it was too. Yeah. But uh, he sees that I'm broken. Yeah, I have the respect not to kick me <laughs> out. I will say that this might be a kick. Uh, oh, well, you were saying it's like it was rough to watch this game on the weekend. I can confidently say that this year the most enjoyable games I've watched are watching the Panthers. Well, they're not going to be Giants games, are not, they? Yeah, no, my Giants suck. So it's like I either root for the Giants to win, and they're not good at that. But you know who's really good at rooting for lose- losses? The Panthers. Because even when it looks like they're going to win and they come out to a hot start, they find a way to lose. So I just... Go Panthers. Well, it's, it's Keep so, pounding. It's so, it's so funny. They were, they were in the Vikings game all the way until the end. The See entire game. Seahawks game. That's when you know you're a bad team because it's like everything is going right. Like pick six off the bat. You're stopping them. Like uh, Kirk Cousins, terrible game. Still lose by two possessions. I was just uh, looking at the math and looking at all the standings. I know everybody's uh, at this desk, everybody's teams. Colts have the best record out of all three teams. I mean, Bengals have a lot of asterisks next to that, but I mean, 
Yeah, not very so good far, team at this you, you want to talk about play calling. <laughs> I don't <laughs> enjoy football. I don't like sports. <laughs> Why did I choose to enjoy sports growing up? I could have liked anything else. All right, we got we got time to talk about one of these three games on here. I do still want to touch on one of them. So it all, isn't all just Panthers. You guys want to talk about Bears-Broncos, Bills-Dolphins, or Texans-Steelers? Bears. The Bears. The Bears. Right. I really don't want to talk about C.J. Stroud. That's right. <laughs> the Bears. I, I still, oh, man, I had all these fun stat lines I wanted to read out for you, Cody. I had my top ten quarterbacks to, to say he's not top ten. Yeah, he's not top ten. <laughs> we can talk about that elsewhere, though. <laughs> so we'll we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about the Bears and Matt Eberflus here. Uh, so just a quick recap. <laughs> we have, we have less minute. than a minute, uh, and yeah, we have eight yeah. hours. Or so, but yeah, Bears. Can I just yeah, go? Uh, yeah, no. Well, so uh, Bears crumbled. Justin Fields had one of the most historic first half in Bears history, and then somehow they lost the game. <laughs> go ahead, Lucas. <laughs> I just want to say it's funny. Like it was the least inspiring 300 yard performance because he had like 280 at halftime, and then yeah. he just like squirted his way to 300 and still <laughs> lost the game. But yeah, that fourth and one was so dumb. Like kick the field goal, you win the like Why you're winning the game. You're kicking the field goal, but then it's like, you literally have Justin Fields. The one thing he's good at is he's a pretty big dude. Just <laughs> shove him up the middle. Literally. But no, let's run inside zone with Herbert. Uh, but yeah, he, Fields was also sacked four times and got pressured nine times. So 13 times total he was under pressure in this game. I understand the coaches are bad, but he is so bad at holding the ball. And he just can't read defenses. <laughs> and it's just like, like the one play against... Last week, I think it was, or two weeks ago, when there's a wide-open seam route and he just runs into a body of defenders and gets sacked. Like, it's actually hilarious, and it's like, can you see what's in front of you? Eberflus is coaching like they're tanking. Like he's not going to get fired if they end up. Yeah, with yeah. <laughs> he'll get he'll get a, he'll get a little money under the table for it. It literally feels like they're trying to tank, but he he's not going to be the coach. And then the Broncos are also really bad. Let's not give them a pass. Sean Payton, that Nathaniel Hackett, worst coaching job in NFL history, is yeah. not aging well right now. Yeah, I mean it was it was a really entertaining game to watch that comeback, but I mean I, it feels just completely collapsed in that second half and. I don't know. Something's got to change over there in Chicago. There's just so much wrong. I can't even get into it because we have no time. But if you can find the image, it just is a good image. Is Matt Eberflus after the fourth down doesn't convert, and he's just pulling. He's pushing his hair back so aggressively, like he's trying to rip his hair out of his head. And you can just see the yeah, okay, I'm gonna get fired in 14 weeks. Face going on. That was like your one shot. Yeah, it was a one. We lost to the 0 and three Broncos. It's over. It was. It was. It was a one and done. Yeah. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Sports Wrap. We didn't get to everything that we covered, and I think the funniest part is this is probably the shortest script we've had in a long time. But <laughs> some great discussions here today. Thank you all for joining us. We're rolling into shout-outs. Lucas, start with you. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to find a shout-out that won't hurt Cody's feelings with. The only thing I have is C.J. Stroud. Uh, he's only trails Cam Newton in most passing yards through four games. So. I'm going to give it to New York Liberty and Las Vegas Aces playing in the WNBA Finals. These two are two super teams. Like, even if you don't know the WNBA very well, look at these two Liberty. teams' rosters. Oh, my gosh. Okay, for my sports shout-out, quick shout-out to Drew Holiday. Welcome to the team. And then also a uh, quick personal shout-out to my sister who is listening in today. She's been there since day one, so how to give her a shout-out. Shout-out to my friends and family listening. My grandma is listening. And Lucas, I you forgot. didn't give a shout-out to My grandma, shout-out. I, I beat you to it. You did. Look, this is... Wow. I know he loves you, but got a little carried away. But shout-out to Lucas's grandma. More always to give us a shout out. To always, <laughs> always tuning in. And uh, and and CJ Stroud is at three straight games, two hundred fifty plus yards, two touchdowns. It's the first rookie to do it since the nineteen seventy uh, merger. Uh, he also has Lucas. You mentioned the stat. He's got one thousand two hundred and twelve passing yards through four games, the second most passing yards by a rookie in NFL history. Anyways, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Sports Trap. We'll see you back here on Thursday. And now, send you back to your regular scheduled music. Charlotte also passed on Scoot Henderson. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>